0: I do now. I do now. Wow. Uh, Okay, if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 this morning. Um, Today we're going to continue. Last week we saw a little bit of Philip and we saw some things that were going on with him. We're going to continue and see in the text here uh, his missionary journey and the providential hand of God in his life as well as others in his blast radius, in in his sphere of influence. And I think one thing that we need to understand above all else is that Jesus Christ is victorious. Amen? Like, Christ is victorious. He's victorious over all of creation, all of space, all of time. He is victorious over death, sin, and hell. Like, this is the thing that we need to understand. Christ is the victor. Christ is not in the corner, quivering and thinking about what's happening in the world. He is victorious. He is a king. He is victorious. And because of that victory, that should cause in, in, in within us... An abundance of biblical confidence to know that God, if he opens the door, if God opens the door for you to be able to share the gospel, be a part of someone's life, he opens the door for you to be an influence into somebody's life. He is going to provide the means for you to be able to do it effectively. God will never, ever not give you the weapons that you need, not give you the information, not give you the things that are necessary in order for you to be effective for the cause of the gospel. So many people that I know personally and people that I know in my own life have told me, said, Caleb, I just, I don't feel like I have the capability of being a missionary. I I just, I, I don't have that. There was a sign posted at my old church when we drove out of the parking lot, there was a sign and it told it, it said on the front of it, it said this is the parking lot. It said Trinity Baptist Church's parking lot. And that was in the front of it. And when you left, on the back of it, it said, you are now entering the mission field. You're now entering the mission field. And there was a personal responsibility and a personal stake in that statement to everyone that left the church that they understood that their sphere of influence, they had an impact in that sphere of influence that no one else has. It was a final charge to the members of the church that went out of the church to be the church in the community and to make disciples and to shine the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone that they came in contact with. And so what we're going to see in the text today with Philip, we're going to see that this Radiates this idea of taking that charge literally is Philip's goal. Philip is going to take charge and do what he's been called to do by the gospel of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to start in chapter 8. We're going to look at verse 26. Chapter 8, verse 26. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south, to the road that goes down to from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place and he rose and he went and there was an Ethiopian, there was an Ethiopian a eunuch of the court of Candace, the queen of, Ethi, of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning, seated in his chariot, and was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet, and asks, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I understand unless someone guides me? And he invites Philip to come up and sit with him. And now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. He was like a lamb before the shearer. And he was silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. We'll continue here in just a minute. But this is the word of the Lord. And so we see in the text here, God gives Philip a specific and direct instruction. He tells him, he wants him to go. And so what does he do? He says, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to... He says what? The first thing, the angel of the Lord came to him and said, Philip, arise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he goes, God gives him a specific direction and says, okay, I'm going to go. And he arose and he went. He was obedient to God's call in his life. He didn't make an excuse as to why he couldn't go. And he didn't, he didn't make an excuse as to why he, th- well, today is just a bad day, Lord. Uh, Angel, I, I know you're talking to me, but today is just, man, it's Tuesday. And man, you know Tuesdays. Tuesdays are rough for me and I can't make it. He was obedient to God's call in his life. He didn't make the excuse. He just arose and he went. And I believe many need to just arise and go. God's called all of us that are His children to go. The, the mandate has been laid out in the text. For those who say, well, God's never told me that. That's a lie, because God's Word has told those that belong to Christ, Matthew chapter 28, to go and make disciples. And I believe if more people arose and just went and were obedient to what God shares in their life to do, to, to push out the gospel in the places where they are, man, we begin to see revival. You say, Caleb, I'm not a preacher. Well, here's, once again, I'm not asking anyone in the room to be a preacher. I'm just asking you to be obedient to God's call in your life for your specific ministry. Like some of you are in nursing. Some of you are in industrial areas. You've all got different spheres and places of influence that you can be obedient to God directly. Say, well, what do I do? The word of your testimony is, is, that's a good place to start. That's the good place to start. But in this moment, the Ethiopian eunuch, he was, he was in the chariot, He was reading God's word. Now, you say, well, what, who is this? He was a, the Ethiopian eunuch was a government official who served in the court of Candace. She was the queen of Ethiopia. And he, his job, was he was in charge of all of her treasures. So he's got a pretty decent job. He's got to take care of, make sure that her treasures are guarded and protected. So he's got a, an important task that he is committed to and committed with. And on this particular day, the Ethiopian eunuch was, he was, um, he was going down to worship. And he said, well, Caleb, where was this at? It was close to just south of, Ethiopia was just south of Egypt. And you say, well, Caleb, what's a eunuch? I'm glad you asked. It's fun. He was an emasculated or castrated male ...that worked for a female government official. So why is that necessary? I mean, do we really need to ask that question in the political world in which we live today? Uh, we see all kinds of scandals and craziness with government officials... Um, ...just from a sexual nature that looks devious. And so this guy was... That, that temptation was taken from him. <laughs> and so he was, he was an emasculated male that, that worked for this queen... And he uh, he's going to worship. In verse twenty-seven, it says he's going to worship. And you say, "Well, Caleb, wait a minute. He wasn't a Christian before this encounter. What was he going to worship?" Listen, all of us. There's how many people worship something that isn't Jesus? There are millions of people in synagogues and in mosques and in different places all over the globe today who are worshiping something other than Jesus. You see. God put in us the innate desire to worship God. And before this conversation, the Ethiopian eunuch was going to worship, but he he was a religious man, but he wasn't a redeemed man. He was a religious man who had a religious system in his mind, but he wasn't a redeemed man. He wasn't a Christian man. He was a lost pagan who was worshiping something other than Christ. But he was lost until Christ finally sets this appointment up. And he is appointed at this moment to reckon, be reconciled and redeemed back to the God of the universe. You say, oh, Caleb, how does that happen? Well, I'm glad you continue. You guys are asking some great questions this morning. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, what was he doing in the chariot? What was the Ethiopian eunuch doing in the chariot? He had opened the book of Isaiah and he was reading God's word aloud. The Ethiopian eunuch was trying to figure out this text and he was reading. And I believe, listen, the majority of Christians fail to understand the power of God's word when it comes to saving human beings. So many churches want to attempt a gimmick or a show or a certain program in order to try to draw people in. We we could do this and this and this. But we neglect the idea of just preaching God's word. You say, Caleb, why is that important? Well, once again, I said Romans chapter 10 tells us. In fact, I'm going to go over there to Romans chapter 10. And I want you guys to read this. Paul, who we'll talk about next week, Paul wrote Romans. And in the 10th chapter of Romans, and starting in verse 14, you see this thing take place. Let me get over here to it. How then, verse 14 of Romans chapter 10, How then will they call upon him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching to them? And how are they to, be, how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, the gospel. But they have not all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has not heard from us or what he's heard from us. So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And so he's reading the words of God out of the book of Isaiah and he's reading this text and he doesn't understand. He even tells him, he stops him. He says, Do you understand what you're reading? Philip looks at the Ethiopian eunuch and says, Do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian eunuch goes back and says, How can I understand? How can I understand unless somebody guides me? So it it brings this idea up into my mind that Paul writes, How can they know unless someone preaches to them? And how can they have someone preach unless they're sent? How can they do this? How can they call upon the one that they've not believed in. And how can they believe in whom they have never heard? The Ethiopian eunuch had never heard of Jesus Christ. But he was reading the foretelling in the book of Isaiah about Jesus Christ. He was reading all about Jesus in the book of Isaiah. And this is the, listen, the highest form of worship is the preaching and the proclamation of God's word. That is the highest form of worship for men and women so they can be reconciled this is the mechanism God's mechanism to reconcile men and women back to himself is the proclamation is the is God's word in their lives and so we see in verse 30 through 35 the Ethiopian eunuch he he gets he gets in front of Philip, and Philip begins to ask him, says, do you understand what you're reading? He says, man, I, how can I understand unless somebody shows me what I'm reading? And so for the rest of the text, we're going to see this, that Philip unpacks the gospel because he's asking the question, remember we read through here in, in chapter 8, he starts to read it, he says, now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter.'" And like a lamb before the shearer, he was silent. So he opens not his mouth, and his humiliation, justice was denied him. He can describe who can describe this his generation, for his life is taken away from the earth. And so he starts. Who we we as we sit here and read this this morning, we know who it is. Amen. Who was the sheep that was led to slaughter? Christ was it that was silent, who didn't open his mouth and defend himself when he had every right to defend himself? Who didn't open his mouth? Christ. Christ kept his mouth closed. Because if he had opened his mouth and justified himself, he would have damned every one of us. Amen? But he didn't. He kept his mouth closed in order to reconcile and redeem mankind. So let's look at verse 34. And the eunuch... Said to Philip, about whom, I ask, does this prophet say this is about? Is it about himself or is it about someone else? <laughs> I mean, the ball is being set up perfectly. I mean, it's, just, it's a perfect pitch to Philip. Philip has got the perfect pitch here. Amen. And then Philip, verse 35 He opens his mouth and begins with the scripture. Now, what does he begin with? The scripture. He opens the text and he begins with the scripture and told him the good news about who, Jesus. And they were going along. Now, I want so let's 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 do this. I want you guys to hear this because. This whole rest of this text. We don't know what all was said in the mes- in the midst of this, but Philip is unpacking the gospel to the youth Ethiopian eunuch. Dear brothers and sisters, the best message that anyone could ever hear, and that all that that we that we the only message that we need is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is The best message that never gets old, like the gospel of Jesus Christ never gets old. And I'm going to tell you, it never gets old. The gospel is something we even need after we're saved. We still need the gospel to pour over us every single day that we're alive. Pastors, I need the gospel to pour over me every single day. I've got to preach the gospel to myself every morning when I wake up. I've got to tell myself that Christ is Died for my sins, he's resurrected for my sins, for my justification. And I stand right before God because of Christ's work on the cross. Not because of what I've done, not because of any good deeds, but because of what Christ did on the cross. So this man, this Ethiopian eunuch, he hears and believes the gospel. Verse 37, and Philip said, if you believe with all of your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. I, I believe that he's the Son of God. So he's saved. He's, the man is saved. And then he's obedient and follows up through and he gets baptized. He gets baptized. Now, no, he was not baptized in order to be saved. That wasn't the, A lot of people will take this text and they'll say, See, Caleb? you got to get saved and baptized. you got to be baptized in order for the salvation to take full effect. That's not what the text is saying whatsoever. He was reading the the Bible. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So he's reading about who Jesus is. Philip takes Romans chapter 10 literally and he unpacks the gospel to this Ethiopian eunuch in such a way that he is revitalized and he comes to faith in Christ and he says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he's saved and then he's obedient and he gets baptized. Let's keep going in the text. Verse 38 I'm sorry, we'll finish in uh, 36. And as they were going along the road, they came and so there was water and the Ethiopian unit says, see, there's water. What what prevents me from being baptized? So obviously baptism had been talked about in this conversation. Verse 37 says, if you believe in your heart, you may be. And he, he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he's saved and then he's obedient and he's baptized. He's baptized. He wasn't baptized in order to be saved. He was baptized because he was saved. He was being obedient to what Christ has called us to do. And now, listen, it's Christ and Christ alone that does the saving. And as you remember from my sermon on baptism, Dad's sermon on baptism, He was not sprinkled. He didn't come across. He didn't have a little cup and he didn't dip it and just sprinkle the Ethiopian eunuch. He says, look, here's a body of water. And what's the text say? That he went, what? Verse 38. And he commanded the chariot to stop and they both went, where? Where? Down into the water. So, in order to go down, you don't get it, you don't go down into a cup of water. (laughs) Amen? Like, I don't get a little cup and go down into it. my fingers might, but that's about it. But they go down into the water, and he was baptized. Verse 39. And when they what? So, say it again. They came up out of the water. The Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. I mean, can you imagine? That was fast. Boom! So, they go into the water. They get baptized. He gets saved first. Then he goes into the water, gets baptized... And then he comes immediately out of the water. And once again, this is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Over and over again, this is something we've got to harp on. It's, It's the message of the gospel in visual format. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And then immediately, as they came out of the water, Philip disappears. And the Ethiopian eunuch leaves rejoicing. I mean, can you imagine? He starts his journey off. He woke up that morning, he gets in his chair, and he's going to wherever, he's going to worship, and he has the scripture open, and he's reading Isaiah, he's reading the text about the, the, the lamb who was slain, who had gone to, to take away the sins of the world, and he's reading this text, and he doesn't understand this text. And God provides a way in His providential and sovereign hand, He provides a way for this man who is studying the Word to have it unpacked. And as a result of that, saving faith was meted out in the Ethiopian eunuch's life. Imagine the sphere of influence that this man has. He goes back and he's still in charge of the treasures. He's going to do what he's called to do. He's got a sphere of influence that he's over. He's going to begin evangelizing, I can promise you, because that's what we're called to do. And as he he read the text and he unpacks the text, he knows what he's supposed to do. And immediately, Philip disappears. And the Ethiopian eunuch leaves and rejoices. All throughout the text, you will find when the gospel is presented, humanity rejoices when they are redeemed. When when human beings are redeemed out of their sinfulness and out of their former ways of life, over and over and over again, you will always find that there is rejoicing, that there is a sense of overwhelming joy in their hearts that Christ has redeemed. Anybody else in the room got that kind of sense of rejoicing when Christ redeemed you? Like, how many of of us in this room deserve God's grace? Anybody raise a hand and be like, me, I do, I deserved it. None of us in the room deserved it. Amen? Not a single one of us deserved His grace. But yet here He is. He comes in like a ferocious lion. Comes in and takes us and redeems us and reconciles us. Man, I'm now no longer on the road to hell. I'm on the road to heaven. I'm no longer on the road to unforgiven. I'm on the road of forgiveness and reconciliation. Woo! Man, that'll get somebody fired up. Amen? That's me. I don't know if You're saying It gets me excited. But every time you see that, people will rejoice. Paul says, "It said it best in Romans. He says the gospel, Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it has the power. It has the power unto salvation. Woo! So, back to how we started this message. It's Christ is and always will be victorious. Christ is and always will be victorious. John chapter 10 tells us that he will never lose one of his sheep. He's not a bumbling shepherd. Oh, well, gotta try to keep him. He's not bumbling around trying to keep his sheep. He will never lose one of his sheep. Amen? Isaiah chapter 55 11 tells us that God's word never returns void or empty. It never returns void or empty. It will always accomplish what God desires for it to accomplish. God is a king that's sovereign, and he will get who he wants. Amen? He will get who he wants. And so that fact alone should cause in us an overwhelming sense of joy to know that God's word is victorious in the end and will accomplish what he desires to be done. Like, listen, do you know people in your own life that don't believe and don't understand? Well, take hope. Because Jesus has given you everything that you will ever need to accomplish the mission of the gospel. The Ethiopian eunuch didn't know what he was reading. He didn't understand it. But Philip shows up at just the right spot, at just the right point, and helps unpack the word to this man and shares the gospel. And he gets saved and he's baptized and... Philip, he continues. He proclaims it boldly in verse 40. Philip found himself in in Azuzas. Verse 40. And he passed through and he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. He he proclaims it. He knew that Jesus Jesus wins. Christ wins in the end. Amen? Michael Byrd, he said it best about the idea of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, The fatal wound of Jesus deals a fatal blow to death. The power of this present darkness shivers as the looming tsunami of the kingdom of God draws nearer and nearer. This is the victory of God. The tsunami of the kingdom is on its way. And that's good stuff. That Christ has won the war. And we are just in this temporary waiting position for the kingdom to be fully established on this earth. So what's our call? What's our call supposed to be? Mark chapter 1 verse 15 tells us that the time is fulfilled and that the kingdom of God is at hand. So repent and believe the gospel. That's what you and I are called to do as believers. We're to repent and believe. Repent and believe. Repent to believe. The kingdom of God is at hand. Like the tsunami. Like listen, I know that the world's dark. It's because it's a fallen world. But this fallen world, it shivers at the looming, coming tsunami of the kingdom of God. Right, right now there's this there's some volcano that's you know, and. Oh, Somewhere in the far east areas. And they're saying if this thing erupts the way it's supposed to. There will be a gigantic tsunami that's going to hit the east coast. And there are people that are worried about this. There's people that are nervous about this tsunami potentially hitting land. If it happens. Well I'm going to tell you something is coming. It's the kingdom of God. And according to Michael Bird, it is a looming tsunami that will destroy all darkness. All darkness will be wiped out. All of the trash, all of the paganism, all of the unbelief, all of the insidious, nasty, filthy depravity that happens. Got a couple of you excited. Like this this should cause us confidence. Be like, listen, what are we going to do? Well, listen, tonight we've got an opportunity to share the gospel. We're going to hand out God's word. We're going to talk to people about Jesus. When they come through our line, be bold and know that Jesus wins. Christ wins. Let him know that listen, Jesus loves you. Here's what you gotta do to accept to find his love. Repent and believe. Okay, what if they don't do it? Well, that's not on you. It's Christ that does the drawing. It's Christ that does the work. You and I are just supposed to be obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ and to share it. Amen. That's what we're called to do. I, I, I just I just love it. There's some of you here that you've sent me messages like, listen, there's some crazy stuff going on in your life. I love it. I got a text and said, listen, I left my phone number for these people. I hope they call me because I'm going to give them the gospel. What? I'm going to preach the gospel over the phone. Let's go! That's some, like, that's some of my people in this place. Like, this thing, I mean, we, we got, we've got all the confidence in the world to take the, take it to the enemy, take the darkness and make trouble for the enemy. Like, let's go! Like Jesus wins here. This is when I read this text, you see the providential hand of God moving people where he needs them to be moved, putting them where they need to be moved. God gives Philip this concept, okay, Philip, go. And as soon as Philip does this one thing as an obedient, like he beams him out. I don't even know how that happens. You imagine the Ethiopian eunuch? I guess I going to get out of this water it beams him out as soon as he comes up out of the water and it says immediately the Ethiopian eunuch you know, immediate Philip disappears <laughs> oh I'm sure some of you in the room are very happy as, I'd, as I brought you out of the water God didn't disappear me <laughs> some of y'all went right back and, whoa he got dunked a second time immediately Philip goes and the Ethiopian eunuch he doesn't go he gets, he's, he's excited he's like yes I'm redeemed, I'm following Jesus, I know Christ. Let's go. And then he goes and he is obedient in the spheres he's in. Philip is obedient in the spheres that he's in. And he goes to these different towns. Immediately he finds himself at Azuzas. And he passes through and he preaches the gospel to all in the town. Can you imagine that massive burst of adrenaline and confidence that he got after that? God says, the angel of the Lord said, Hey, I need you to go here. Okay, I'll do it. Somebody, God's told you, listen, I need you to go make a phone call. Hey, I need you to go visit such and such. I need you to go, brother, go visit this person. I need you to pray for this person. Why don't you send that person a text, let them know you're praying for them. Oh, man. Why don't you make a phone call, just check on these people. Why don't you ask them, what's God doing in your life? What's, what's God been doing in your own personal life? And then open, as they begin to talk to you, just unpack the Word. I, we do it all the time. It's never, it's never come back and bit me. It's always been a blessing. Now, do people always accept? No, some reject. But man, that's still a blessing to me. It gives me that confidence to know that God's used me in one section, one part. We're just talking about this morning in Sunday school. My dad, for decades, shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with my grandfather. He was an old country cowboy, used to ride rodeo with Ben Johnson. He was an old, just an old farmer, old rancher, loved cows, loved ranching. Dad pleaded with Grandpa Jim to get saved. He said, Man, I don't need Jesus. I don't need God. I got my farm, got my wife, got my stuff. I'm good. And providentially, it dumped snow one Sunday morning. We didn't have worship service, but we did had to go. Ronnie, we had to go work the cows. We had to go get the cows fed. And guess what? Eleven-year-old Caleb was. I'm arrived with Grandpa. Eleven-year-old Caleb sitting in the front seat, not really understanding all the theological nuances of the Bible, but I just knew that Jesus loves you. That Jesus wants to redeem people. And so I said, Grandpa, are you going to heaven? Unbeknownst to me, that my father woke up at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning, would go over to Jim's house, Grandpa Jim's house, and unpack the gospel at the table, and pound on the table and plead with Grandpa Jim to give his life to Christ. Nah, Ed, don't need that junk. But it took a small little grandson, 11 year old grandson, sitting in the front seat, just being obedient to that prompting that said, Ask him. Hey, Grandpa, are you going to heaven? Caleb, you always call him Caleb with a P at the end, not a B, Caleb. I, I, don't, I don't know. And eager, excited little Tigger Caleb Gordon at the 11 years old, did you know that you can know all you gotta do is ask him and he'll forgive you? Childlike faith. I don't know all the nuances of theological stuff at 11 years old. I just know that Jesus forgives. Amen? That simple childlike faith and I just said, "Grandpa, all you've got to do is ask him to forgive you." I said, "I'll even pray with you, Grandpa." And I said, "And I just I let I said, this is how it goes, Grandpa.'" And imagine the humbling of that older man. He was a, he was in his sixties with an eleven year old boy in the car. Of okay, I'm, but it was I was his grandson. I was his grandson, and we prayed. And I said. I just let him in a simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I have broken your commands. Please forgive me and come and be in my heart. And be the king of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. We cut out of that car in the snow. And my dad jumped that little Tigger Caleb. Is bouncing out, excited, Dad! Dad! Grandpa got saved, and my dad, theological dad, real young. I'm sure, sure, son. Oh, I'm sure. And Jim gets out with tears in his eyes, and he said, "I am. I've been saved by God's grace." And they fell in the snow and wept. And three months later, he died. But providentially, all the pieces were put in place. God was using the power of God's word in Jim's life at the kitchen table. Dad had been doing the groundwork of unpacking the scriptures. I just got to be the guy that harvested. The 11-year-old got the harvest. My dad had been the guy planting the seeds. He'd been planting water, planting water for over a decade. He'd been planting and watering, planting and watering. The 11-year-old Caleb Seize the bud. Whoop, and pull that thing out. Let's harvest. Why? Because I, as an 11-year-old little boy, I wanted to, My thought was, Man, I just want to see my grandpa in heaven. I'm going. Are you going? I want you there. And guess what? That tug... Yeah, I want to go too. Prayed, Repented. Asked Jesus to save him. Wow. All we got to do... We are supposed to, what are we supposed to do? Believe the gospel. Go make disciples. The looming, the looming tsunami of the kingdom of God is about to wipe out the darkness of this world. And that should cause in us a desire to understand, just want to be like, God, I want in, I want to play. Like, I want to get in, I want to play my part well. Every one of you in this room have got a part to play. If you belong to Jesus, you've got a part to play in the places where you are. Caleb, I'm not a preacher. I'm not asking you to be. I'm just asking you to play your part where you are. Share Christ where you are and know know this, that Jesus has already laid the groundwork up. If you've got a prompting to share the gospel with somebody, know that Jesus is already effectively working in that person's life. God's already doing what he's supposed to do in that person's heart and life. And you just need to be the person that steps in and does what he's supposed to do. Or her. That's what you're supposed to do. Amen? That should get us excited. Now next week, we get to see one of the nasty guys redeemed. We get to see one of those re- Just the guy that we think there's no way that guy could get saved. He gets saved. And it's amazing to see. It's incredible. I can't wait for next week. Next week's going to be incredible. Bring a friend, bring like five friends. I don't know. Pack this place out with people that are the undesirables. Because, man, that's what we want here. I want the undesirables. Because, guess what? If it weren't for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'd be an undesirable. Amen? Amen? And so would you. So would you. But it's the grace of Jesus Christ that makes us desirable again. Let's get them in here and let's see Jesus do a work. Let's stand together.